and welcome. <laughs> I keep on getting that. I've been speaking to so many people lately, and from all ages, and uh, I was privileged enough to do a, a valed valedictory service on, on Friday at Kabiga Park High School. <coughs> and uh, the, the incredible amount of fear on people's faces is actually surreal at the moment. We're in a place right now in our country, and I think for the first time this week, I um, actually thought about immigrating. I actually thought about, you know, is my time up in this country? Is <laughs> the time maybe to go yonder, you know, the deep blue sea or whatever it is. Um, and, and no for other reason that saying, you know, do we want to continue to allow things to erode in ways in our country? Are we going to allow things just to fall to pieces in our country? Are we going to pack up and, and run away and hopefully things are better that side? Or do we stay and just trust God in our nation? And it's been quite a challenge for me because I think fear impacts certain people in different ways. You know, some people can cope with fear. But people have no issues with fear. Other people have the smallest amount of fear in their lives. And, you know, they need help, they need people, they need medication, they need whatever it is in their lives. And so all of us are in a different space in life. And all of us handle fear so differently. But I want to say this to you, and just in this week, just preparing for a message, I came across a little couple of interesting things. One, did you know that the, God mentions the fear not in the Bible 365 times? 365 times. Fear not for every day of the year. A fear not for every day of the year. I love it. As I was telling this book, this is it. I love it. And I was challenged by that because I think so often we can give, or give God 500 reasons why, you know, we can't be H-A-P-P-Y. Why things aren't going our way. Why things aren't falling into place. Why the work isn't coming in. You know, why my husband doesn't love me. Why my kids aren't changing. And I think so often when we look at so many different people um, going through sicknesses and diseases and hardship and financial burdens this year, it's challenging. Because it's one thing to be this great believer and it's great thing to say, oh, but I have faith. And it's great to speak spiritual things and, and the, the Christianese, you know, when I'll oh, praise God, we are praying to that. But whether you like it or not, each and every one of us in this place is challenged with fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of the future, fear for my grandkids, what they can grow up in, fear of what is our retirement look like, have we got enough money to retire? <coughs> Fear of sickness, fear of disease. Every one of us in this room is dealing with some kind of a fear, whether we like it or not. And, and I went to look in the dictionary to see exactly what fear, how does it define fear? And the Bible or the dictionary defines fear in a noun like this, an unpleasant emotion caused by the threat of danger, pain, or harm. In the verb, it speaks about it like this. Be afraid of someone or something as likely to be a danger or harmful to us. For me personally, what is fear? Fear is the emotion we feel when things don't go according to plan or our way of the unknown. In Christian terms, we have it that fear, what is that? False evidence appearing real. And so when we speak about these things, we speak about fear as something that often has not happened but we're expecting the worst. And yet the learned people, the clever people say to us, 
that 90% of the things you and I concern ourselves but on a daily basis will never happen in our lives. Somehow in our lives we've given sphere this rented space. And, and we don't understand that the more that we give fear rented space, the more fear will grow. Because fear becomes like a cancer eventually. Then we start worrying about one thing. And who knows? Then we start worrying about the next thing. Then we start worrying about the next thing. Then we start worrying about the next thing. All of a sudden, we find ourselves absolutely consumed by fear. Now, fear responds in different ways. Some of us, oh, mate, oh, well, we're just coping. Or we use that term now, I'm just stressed. Hey? Or I'm just going to a difficult patch in my life. But we don't understand that fear is something that is real. Fear is something that challenges each and every one of our lives. But how do we get to a place where you and I become fearless in the things and in the purposes and in the plans that God has for us? And you and I are not immune to fear. We're not immune to hardship. We're not immune to trials and tribulations. We're not, we're not immune to fighting with the wife and the husband. We're not immune to having kids that aren't disciplined. We're not immune to the bank phoning us because there's no more money left in the account. None of us are immune to those kinds of things. I was reading this week on the article of this Marcus Yester, you know, Steinhoff. That they have attached 1.2 or 1.2 billion rands with this stuff. How do we go from having all of that to having nothing? And yes, we know, we know what happened there and that's besides the point. The point is that not even him can be stress free. And he's, they raised the day one of the billion men for the stuff away from him. We've got our president that's probably one of the richest men in the country. Everything's going to be gone in the big of an hour. In the big of an hour. Nobody is immune to what we're going through. But how we cope with stress, how we cope with fear, how we cope with who we are as believers is the most important. First Corinthians in, in, the, in, the, in the Passion Bible, and a human reaction myself, got both this thing. She got in the Passion, I've got a normal one. But it says, listen to this, it says, we all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, uh, nature, and timing of every test or trial you face. So you can, you can bear with it. And each test is an opportunity to trust Him more. For a long, sorry, well, long, with every trial God has provided, um, sorry, provided you, a way of escape that will bring out you bring you out victoriously. Listen to that. The word says that every one of us are going through trials and tribulations. Every one of us are going through hardship. Every one of us are going through some stuff. And he says, and we also got to understand that as these things come around, God clearly says in his word there that you will screen and filter them, the severity of those things that you face, that you will be able to bear with it. Or the word says to be able to stand in a time of testing. Now, we hate testing. We hate tests. I don't know about you. If you're an academic, you like that stuff. I hate tests. 
I mean, I even ate the art test of the traffic report. <laughs> it is just something that I just don't enjoy. But I also understand something that the word says that testing, what does it do? It grows our faith in God. And I would never have been where I am today if it wasn't for the trials, if it wasn't for the tribulations, if it wasn't for the good, if it wasn't for the bad, if it wasn't for, for the things that have happened in my life, things that I thought that would destroy me, that have actually built me. The problem is that when you're in a turmoil and you're in a difficult situation and, and the finance and the bank is phoning and all these kinds of things, we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And when we do, we think it's a train. Who knows what I'm talking about? <laughs> and it's easy to say, you know what, I'll get over this and I'll get through this and you know what, in next round will be better. The problem is this, that whenever you are going through hardship, wherever fear is consuming you, there's one question you have to learn to ask yourself. And it's this. Take my advice. What do I need to learn through this? What do I need to learn through this? You see, because everything we got, the Word of God says, Romans 8 says, that He works all things for the good. So it doesn't matter what you're going for, and yes, the enemy could be coming at you and things could be crazy, but God says, whatever He throws at you, I'm going to catch, I'm going to do it for the good, and you're going to prosper. Oh, thank you. Three of us are amen. I'm just going to preach to the middle crowd here. You guys go and sit. I'm going to just focus here. But think about it. Think about it. Every hardship, every fight that you've been in your marriage, every fight you've had in your seats, if you've done it or you, or you got into argument without wanting to be destructive, you've learned stuff. We've learned stuff about each other in 32 years of marriage. We've learned stuff about our kids. We've learned stuff about church. And every single time we go through a difficult time, it's not there to destroy us. It's there to edify us. But you've got to choose. That are you going to allow God to grow you in the season? Or are you going to allow the enemy to destroy you in the season? We're all fearful. The rent has gone through the roof. Interest rate has gone through the roof. Petrol has gone through the roof. It's crazy. Many of us are thinking, how are we going to make it next year? I want to remind you something. That two years ago, we didn't think we'd go through the world's greatest pandemic. When I look back at the pandemic and think how ridiculous it was, Ridiculous that we could not go to the beach. Think about how stupid that was. <laughs> that we had to exercise on masks on. I was not dying. I'm falling in the street. They can't breathe. We couldn't go to the shop. We could not buy tools. A spade and builders. How the hell did that affect us? Hot not for sale. And you know what was funny about this? We were even along with this jump. Yeah. God gave me all this. Yeah. We were sitting in a bottle of brandy for 800 rand. <laughs> we were buying cigarettes for 300 rand a box. <laughs> it was ridiculous, but we never thought we'd get through it. I saw the other day just an article. Um, a documentary I was watching where they went through New York, New York, New York City, and there was like nobody in the streets. Yeah. I was like, how the hell did this happen? One guy who 
Okay? All of a sudden, shuts down the world. The church didn't rise and go, oh, well, we're going to stand up now. Then we were off the way. People were arrested. Not many of us thought that we could through the epidemic. Did we? And yet, today, I still believe I'm better off than what I was then. Still, I believe that I've grown forward. Yes, our business is still knocking. You're knocking. Yes, we're trying to get these things up and running again. And church is slowly but surely filtering back to normal again. And this is three years after that. But you see, there's, there's a kind of faith that you need to get inside of us that God is for me, not against me. I need you to hear this. Listen to me. You're not going through trials and tribulations. You're not battling with fear because God hates you. You're going through it because He loves you. And He's going through it because why? He's going to work it for your good. If you were just allowing. I was faced with an incredibly challenging week this week. And um, a whole lot of reasons. And I remember sitting on Wednesday night just praying. And, and so often the problem is this, and I realized on Wednesday night that often we can pray. And we think that God answers our prayers when He does exactly like we want Him to do it. And if He doesn't do it like we want Him to do it, then He's not answering the prayer. Yeah. But also realize this week that God's delay is God, not God's no either. Because God has the perfect timing in your life. He has a perfect plan for your life. You see, instead of praying this week, and I sat down on Wednesday, I thought, instead of praying for what it is that I want, how this thing must work out, how this, how this the situation must fix itself, I prayed for a simple prayer for Father. May you give me the wisdom to pray correctly in the season. Amen. See, I took the thing off the table, and I put him back on it again. And I said, if I can focus on you, God, if I can spend my time with you, then whatever needs to be sorted will be sorted. You see, Isaiah, Isaiah 41 says a very simple thing, and I'm going to read it to you. And I'm going to go through just a couple of, of little scriptures with you this morning, and I know it's hot. And you guys will want to go to the beach, I'm sure. And who took Isaiah out of my Bible? <laughs> Own up now. Okay, we got it. Isaiah 41.10 says this. Isaiah 41.10 says this. He says, fear not. Listen to that. I love it. Fear not. That's the way to start a sentence, eh? Fear not, says the Lord. I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my right hand. Listen to that. Fear not. Fear not. I, can you imagine how good life would be if we could, didn't have to fear? We didn't have to worry about tomorrow. We didn't have to worry about our paycheck. We didn't have to worry about what is happening in the world around us. What happens if, if somehow along the line we had enough faith in God to believe that whatever He said He will do, He will do. You see, the definition of fearless is this. is without fear to be bold or to be brave. That's what fearless means. Without fear... To be bold and to be brave. You say to people, but how do we become bold? How do we become brave in the situation we're in? I want to say this to you. There's only one way. And you've got to be in Him. 
You see, you have to be in Him. And, and I'm not doing the whole spiritual thing right now. You know, blah, blah, blah. Listen to what I'm saying to you. That I found myself that the closer I seem to walk with Him during difficult times, the clearer I hear what He's got to say to me. I read in school, we, we never prayed. I did exam time. <laughs> did you? You what? Have your brain counted That's only because we didn't have textbooks and we lost half our notes. And, you know? And it's terrible though that we're in a place in our lives where God in need, a God in need is a God in need. How is it possible that, that this incredible God that created the heavens and the earth, that created everything around us, somehow comes to a place in your life and in my life simply where He's just there to fix our problems. Where He's there to sort out our mess. Where He's there to sort out our marriage. Where He's there to sort out our finances. How is it possible? How arrogant have we become as men hey, that we can blow our credit cards to smithereens at all these places and yet demand God to fix it at the end of the month? How arrogant have we become to think we can live life in a vida loca and drink ourselves and smoke and do everything, but as soon as we get sick, God's going to heal us now. How arrogant are we that we don't deal with issues in people's lives, but that we can honestly go to God and say, in the name of Jesus, I command you. Where do you command Jesus? Where do you command Him to do things in your life? Where do you command Him? Where do you get this junk of name it and claim it? Hey? So I'm just going to name Stephen's wife and I'm going to claim it. <laughs> All right. Oh, is that going to go to the house? We've got to be careful what we believe. Yeah. We've got to be careful what we speak about. We're not higher than Him. He is God. And we are submission to Him and His will. Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you. The plans He has for you. His plans for you. Not your plans for you. You can't quote that scripture when speak about your plans for you. Do you know what happens when you can only understand that scripture? Is when you give up your plans. And you understand that His plans Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. We say all of that stuff, but we've got to go back to the beginning. For I know, says the Lord, the plans I have for you. Do you know the God's plans He has for you? Do you? Have you taken five minutes? You say, God, what is it that you want for me? What is it you're thinking? What does the future look like for me, God? What does the future look like for me? How am I going to go in this? You see, sometimes I think we need to learn to work in our own issues instead of expecting God to fix up everything. He's a God that wants to bless. And some of us is a God that just wants to fix. All our prayers. Well, God, you need to do this, 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 and this. And this, 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 and this. I said to Michael, when last week Wednesday we were chattering out some stuff. And um, when we were in Prague now in last year, in December. Donald Jess, because I never told you to this exquisite um, Chinese restaurant, probably one of the best known Chinese restaurants in the world. And I was laughing, I was speaking to Michael Wednesday night, and I was saying, there's this one booth that you're going to, that if you're on the top floor, the whole floor you're sitting is a fish tank. 
alright? But if you go to the bottom floor, the fish tank's above you. And so you've got this massive fish tank, it's probably as big as a stage. And you just sit there and you just watch all the fish swimming. And I said, how funny is that we've got enough faith in that glass company. <laughs> but we somehow haven't got enough faith in God. Hey? Chantal, I'll tell you, Chantal bought us up a brand new car this week. For last week, or week before last, I don't know what. Chantal bought us up a new car, this story. Brand new car, Mark and myself still laughed, said, oh good, at least you haven't got problems with the Ford anymore. <laughs> the car's got 300 days on it. This morning when I come to church, the car's dead. <laughs> dead! There's not even a dash light that's coming on, it's dead. I was 100% convinced that I want faith in that manufacturer not to put this on me. And this morning we went to church. Dead. It's still dead. <laughs> I don't have to read it You want to change it though? How do we put our faith in stuff? We put so much faith in our man-made stuff. We put so much faith in the interest rate. We put some faith in this, we put some faith in that. And yet we don't understand that the very opposite of fear is faith. What does the word say? Let's go to Hebrews 11. I'm going to read it to you, those that you haven't read it before. But Hebrews 11 says this. Quite funny. Hebrews this morning. Everything's sticking together here. Hebrews says, faith is the substance. It's not, it's not out there. It is the substance. So it means it has to be tangible. Of things hoped for, but things not yet seen. So let's have a good perspective this morning. So it says, faith is a, it's a substance, okay? So, so when I say to Sean, um, Sean, if you tithe this month, the Bible says that you will open the pages of every important lesson for you, you will not obtain, and you will repeat the Bible in God. So that's great, the Sean got me out there, that's really cool. But if I say to Sean, if you tithe this month, Sean, you see this pile of money here? It's yours. Physically, hear me here, our physical eyesight can determine a fact here. If we can see it, then we believe it. If I tell you that Christian is married to human and is a really good-looking guy, if you see him, you will believe the view of what I'm saying. <laughs> Pay me later. But, but you see, faith, our spiritual eyes have to be awakened. As much as our physical eyes see the blessing that comes with obeying the word of God, we've got to get to a place where our spiritual eyes are starting to see the blessings of God as well. That is what faith is. Faith is this, that our spiritual eyes are seeing the things of God even though we don't see them. And so when you have more faith, go. what goes out of the window? Fear. When you have faith, fear comes out of the window. You see, you've got to understand something, that if God gives you a word, God will give you a way. Come on, say to these guys, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If God gives you a word, you'll give you the way. Amen. Thank you, he's got a much better person. That if God gives you a word, and he says that you'll never be your lack of your life, what does that mean? You will never be your lack of your life. That's what it means. 
We, we, we keep missing the whole thing. You know, when, before we did the ministry, I've shared this many times. God gave me a word when I saw the police. He said to me, Kurt, when you go to full-time ministry, you will never need or lack in your life. You will never go without. The first year of the church, I worked for free. Not a cent. The second year, I earned a thousand rand a month. From a ten thousand rand salary increase. You know what? Twenty-three years later, we have never needed or lacked. All our time. We ate potatoes, we ate a hell of a lot of bread, rice was a good thing in our house, but I never needed or lacked in my life. Why? Because I learned to trust Him. You see, when you and I want to become fearless in the things of God, what does the word simply say? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing. That's my point. There's not enough of the word in church. There's not enough of the word in you. The word of God says that if you want to increase your faith, you don't have to sow seed and all that kind of stuff. He says, get into the word. That when you get the word in you, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You know why that's so important? That if God says that, that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. If I say to you, go cool. But I promise you, you read it every single day of your life. You're going to believe it. You see, there's few things. One, get into the Word. Let the Word get in you. Two, how do we build faith? By hearing the Word of God. Now, sure, I was so blessed with you. You know what God is you remember that Thomas God gave me to the priest? How many of you testified of God's goodness? No, don't look away. Look at me, I'm looking at you guys. How many of you guys testified of God's goodness? When last have you told someone how good God has been to you? I went to this, this valedictorian, valedictorian on, on Friday. And um, probably about nine, probably about ninety percent of the students, about 120 students, were, were also speaking. And I learned this very valuable lesson with them. That every time a person called their name or spoke their name, they placed an inquiry. So they would introduce themselves like this. They would say, hi, I'm Kurt Sutton. And that place would erupt. You know why? Because they celebrate in person. They celebrate who he is and who she is. And I looked at them at the wall. When else have we celebrated us? Come on. When else have you looked in the mirror and when else have you celebrated your life? When else have you looked how far you've come? What you've endured? What you've journeyed? The people's lives that you've touched. The people's lives that you changed. You see, the problem is that we can speak about the good old days. Because like, they're never going to happen again. They're never going to happen again if you and I don't step it up. And you can step it up when you speak to yourself. <coughs> when you start to celebrate your name. When you start to celebrate your God's called you to be. You see, faith grows up. He speaks to Joshua and he says the simple thing. And going back to that, Joshua 1 verse 8. He says, he says a very simple thing. We, we all quote that scripture. Be bold of good courage. You know, da, 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 da. Verse 8 says this. Meditate. Don't, don't 
Let the word of God depart from you. He says, meditate on it day and night. Then you will be prosperous in all your ways. Have an open mind you. Be up in Paris. You know, we, we've got people that turn around and say, you know, it's time that we get the Bible back into school again. I want to tell you, it's time we get the Bible back into church again. It's about time we get the Bible back into your homes again. Because I can get it. Do you know that the survey says this? That only 7% of the Church of Jesus Christ reads their Bible more than twice a week. 7% twice a week. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands. You're going to say, more good, I get on my iPhone. No, it's not an iPhone, you need a book. You need a book. You need this. You need a pen. If someone told you, I'm right, just write the Bible, they're you. Write in the Bible. Write down your dates, write down your promises, write down your words, yeah. This is not a book that you need to read. This is your journal for life. This is your manual for life. And let me tell you something, the more we get this in our hearts, and more we get this in our heads, the more we're going to believe what God said is true. Why? Because He says it, and He shows it, and it happens. This is it. And we don't get it. We don't get how important the Word of God is to your life and my life. You see, mention two men in the Bible, and I'm closing this. There was a guy called David. You want to speak about fear? 16 year old boy. People get a sheep and go All he had was a sling and five stones. Well, he didn't have five stones, he had to go find them. And he's got the whole army of Israel standing on this side, quivering, because of one man on the other side. This last week we had an infestation of mosquitoes in the house. I don't know if anybody else was speaks. And then he passed up with the thermal of the <laughs> And I thought about this. You guys are laughing. You guys have all done this. You guys have all slapped yourselves. Blood all over the place. Hit your heads. Crazy. Crazy. I slapped myself and I just shake my head like, what did you just do? And I just, I physically heard this guy going. <laughs> and I thought about this. I thought about this. And in that moment, God said, this is just like the devil. This is tiny little insignificant little thing. That makes so much noise. Have you ever seen grown men so fearful in that sound of a mosquito? <laughs> hey? Think about it. When mosquito come to your room. Yeah, yeah. Lights go on, doom comes out, fly swatters come out, shoes come out. I mean, that thing, you have terrified of that. <laughs> We're actually not terrified of it, we just terrified of the sound of it. <laughs> But you know what the crazy thing about it is? That even if it gets me, tomorrow morning I'm only going to drink up. And the day after that, it'll happen. And God said to me, Good, this is it. 
The devil's like a mosquito. <laughs> You're never going to make it. David had to come to a place in his life where he realized that the God behind him was bigger than the man in front of him. And it's something that you need to realize that the situation in front of you is not as big as the God behind you. The word of God said there's absolutely nothing that can separate you from the love that he has to be God Jesus. There's nothing. There was another God. His name was Jonah. God was a trusted him. Jonah, you mentioned when you go to Angola, I'm going to bring about the Bible, you're going to just throw it into the business of the way. I don't know what you're saying, I'm out of here. But Jonah, go to this place called Nineveh. The people are heathens, they're terrible. Go tell them that they don't fast, they're going to die, basically. Brief. Jonah goes, thinks about it, bad idea, jumps on a ship, goes the opposite direction. Now the reason why I'm telling you this, because I have run in the opposite direction of God's thing for a long time, many times. And I think everyone else has. You know, pray for the guy in the wheelchair, the robot. The great thing about God is this, that he will always bring us back the promise that he has for us you can run you can hide you can say you haven't got time in your life for God right now you're still young you're still jolly you do whatever you want to do let me tell you something you will never outrun God I've seen that run for 30 years 30 years and instead of filling my life with this I thought maybe this will take away the fear or maybe the alcohol will take away the fear or maybe this new car will take away the fear. Or maybe a brilliant wife will take away the fear. Nothing. Only you. Only you. Let me tell you something. You can run, but you can't hide. And I know you don't want to hear this. But whether you believe in Jesus or not, he's hunting you down. He's not going to let you go. He's not going to let you die the way you think you're going to die. He's not going to let you fall apart the way you think you're going to fall apart. You can run, you can do drugs, you can do whatever you want to do. There's one guy you wake up, and he's standing down to you. And he says, Good, it's time. Sean, it's time. That's what I love about him. He's relentless. Because he loves us so much. How many of you have been in a church, out of church, in a church, out of church, in and out of church? <laughs> Do you think he woke up this morning and said, I'm going to church? No. He woke up yesterday and he said, You're going to church today. Let me tell you what church you're going to. And you think, Oh, no, it was just, it was just one of those thoughts that popped through my head. No, there's no such thing as accident. There's no such thing as accident. Why I'm sharing this message with you now is because I really want you. To start to let go of the fear that you're battling with. You see, the problem with fear is that if you speak more and more about it, you become more and more fearful. When we speak about how bad our country is, guess what happens? 
to take a pick of those. When we start to speak about the blessings of God in our nation, and the blessings of God in my marriage, and the blessings of God in my life, and the blessings of God in my kids, and the blessings of God in my church, and how faithful God has been to me, how God has brought me through difficult seasons. Glory, I brought you through difficult seasons. When you just look back for a minute, you can see that he hasn't left me as a second. Not once. Not once. Fear not. 365 times. So tomorrow morning when you wake up, before you hear the devil, <laughs> find a fear not. There's 365 days. I could give them to you, but then you want to give up and proceed first. <laughs> Grab a fear not this week. Grab a fear not this week. And know that God loves you, that He's passionate about you, that He wants the very best for you. And no matter what you're journeying this week, it's going to be okay. Don't pray for your positive outcome, don't pray for your will. Pray His will to be done and trust God for wisdom to do and pray and say the right things this week. Amen? Amen. Can we stand? Father, I want to thank you this morning. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that we can, we can stand up here this morning and, and rehash the, all these things in our lives. And, and we can recall how good and faithful you've been to us. What amazing God you are. And Father, I know that we can have challenges this week. We can have some hardship this week. We're going to hear the devil buzzing around us this week. But Father, help us not to take ourselves out. Help us to believe in you and in your word. And I don't know where you are in your life right now. I don't know what you're going through. But I want to pray that fear would be removed from your life. That anxiety, that hypertension, that stress, whatever we call it, that God would remove from your life. And I'm not going to pray that God will remove the obstacles this week. I want to pray that God give the strength to climb over those obstacles. And I don't want to pray for God to give you strength to face this week. I want to pray that God will let you dig deeper than you've ever dug. Why? Because it's not about you. It's not about your strength. It's not about what you want. It's about Him and His good and His perfect will for you. I don't care what other countries say. I don't care what the economy says. I don't care what the, what the Reserve Bank says. I don't care what the petrol price says. I know one thing. That my God says that I will never need or lack. The Word of God actually says in Genesis 26 that Isaac sowed in the worst drought, the worst drought that the country had ever seen. In the most barren desert you ever can imagine. And the word of God says in that same year, he reaped a hundredfold of what he sowed. See, it's not about the economy, it's not about the presence, it's not about which, which part, political party is in charge. 
What's about is that men and women are going to stand up for their faith and what they believe. Believe in their God. It doesn't matter what we're facing in our nation right now. We've got to get to that place where David understood one thing, that the God behind it was bigger than the crisis in front of us. Do we want law? Do we want order? Absolutely all those things. But instead of moaning about it, why don't we pray into it? Instead of moaning about everything that's happening wrong around us, why don't we make a difference in the world? And Father, I want to pray for your anointing to fall on every man and woman this morning. I pray to start to stir greatness in their hearts, Father. May they testimony of their mouths. May, may we hear the good and faithful God that they serve. May we read, may we hear about the word that has come alive in their lives. May the word become flesh again in our lives. And Jesus, may you become the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last in our lives. And I cast out any fear, any fear. Any fear that will destroy us. And I pray your peace upon this church. I pray for every sickness, every disease this morning. It will not kill you. It will not kill you. Your marriage will not be destroyed. That if you trust in God and His faithfulness, your company will see through this, this, this difficult patch. But see, sometimes God doesn't need to, to sort out your company. He needs to sort out you. Sometimes He doesn't need to sort out your finances. He needs to sort out you. Sometimes He doesn't need to sort out your sickness and your marriage. He needs to sort out you. And if we can come to a place this week, we say, Father, it's all about just come. It's all about you just moving in my life. You see, there's a saying that I heard this last two weeks. And it's a simple saying that says that that which you do not confront will remain. That which you do not confront will continue. And so often we see the situations of problems in our life, and overspending and the pornography and all these kinds of things. Let me tell you something. If you do not confront, it will continue. Get your eating, get your health, and whatever. It's time that you and I confront these things in our lives with the help of our King. That you and I journey these things. And we allow God to be God in our lives. And often we pray for new jobs, we pray for new houses, we pray for new cars. You know what? Maybe just pray, God, where is that you desire me to be? And what is it that I need to learn in the seed to accomplish that? Our Father, I pray more than anything that your word will come alive in our lives. And as your word comes alive in our lives, may you become that ever-present help in a time of need in our lives. I pray that you continue to bless us, that as we go out there, we fellowship today, and we have family time, and we enjoy the wonders of this world, and the sun shining out there, the beauty of our country. May you be glorified in everything we say, everything we see, everything we hear. Today I ask in Jesus' name, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. We're going to close with song.